0: Today, Leslie Jules with Hope International will tell us about his economic development work in Haiti. I'm your host, Paul Horrocks, and this is the Biblical Courage Podcast. The Biblical Courage Podcast is supported by listeners. You can learn more by going to biblicalcourage.com. It's better than Google, and we won't even track you, because we literally don't know how. Welcome to the podcast. We are here with Leslie Jules, who is the director of Hope International Savings Group programs in Haiti. Leslie has a master's degree in entrepreneurship and a PhD in learning and mastery of change. He is also the principal author of three management books, including his latest, which is a handbook for church management. Leslie does not let any grass grow under his feet. So I'm talking to Leslie today about the courage of giving. Leslie,
1: welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Paul, for inviting me. Thank you.
0: And how are things in Haiti today?
1: Uh, You know, it's a beautiful day. (laughs) You know, it's it's sunshine. Uh, As you know, we have two seasons, rainy season and dry season. We're now in the dry season, and everything looks fine.
0: Okay, terrific. Well, give me a high-level overview of Hope International's ministry and the different things you're doing in Haiti.
1: Hope International is a ministry of reconciliation, and uh, we're trying to address poverty, uh, with the understanding that it has to do with broken relationships. Uh, people are poor because they don't have a right relationship with God, and that's where we introduce them to God, and we introduce them to the Judeo-Christian values so that they understand how these values are important, significant as a Christian, as a steward. Secondly, uh, they are invited to be reconciled uh, with themselves. As you know, you know, poverty is something that really affects people in their core being and they don't have the right attitude about themselves and believing because they're poor, there's nothing that they can do. You know They're gonna remain poor for the rest of their lives and it really affects their sense of identity. So it's important for us to restore that identity by telling people they are created in God's image and they are wonderfully made. So it's important for them to be affirmed in that way. And also it's reconciliation with other people. And that's where we invest a lot on talking about the importance of social capital, the importance of working together, the importance of doing things at the community level, doing things collectively. And this is so important, especially in the context of our saving ministry. And the the fourth area of reconciliation that's being reconciled with your environment, and this is where we talk about biblical stewardship, how you invest in your community, how you develop your community. And we believe that with these four areas of reconciliation, whenever people understand them, you know, being reconciled with God, with yourself, with other people, with your environment, and this is how you can start addressing poverty uh, strategically and in a way that is actually lasting. That's what hope is is all about, the ministry of reconciliation.
0: So tell me a little bit about this idea of identity. How do people's identities get affirmed or changed? once you move them out of poverty
1: you know the thing is uh when you look at haiti and uh haiti is uh, is an island based in the caribbean and it's a former uh slave colony and haiti was actually the first uh, black republic you know to free itself you know from the bondage of poverty but even though free to some extent but we still remain in bondage you know mentally speaking so most people here would believe that there's nothing they can do Uh, They have to wait for a handout. They have to wait for someone to come and fix their problem. But that's not hope's philosophy. Hope's philosophy is not to fix people. Hope's philosophy is to open people's eyes so that they can see what is it that they have in their hands, how they can take responsibility for themselves and act on their situation. That's what we try to do when we're investing in, in people's lives, so that they can understand that they are endowed by certain gifts from God, gifts and talents, and they have to use them for their betterment. And that's what we're doing when we're trying to, um, having people having a, a brand new perspective of life, a brand new perspective of themselves, and understand that they have responsibilities. They have a mandate from God as steward of the creation, and they, they need to have the right mindset about themselves in order for them to be effective as a steward of the creation.
0: One of the things we like to do with the Biblical Courage podcast is just to tell a little bit about your story. So just tell us, how did you become a Christian?
1: Uh, you know, I'm going to give you the short version. You know, I wasn't born in a Christian family. Um, I, but Haiti is a, it's a, it's a Catholic country. So we were uh, raised uh, to some extent in a Catholic tradition. And uh, at some point, my dad, he was looking at the cost of raising five kids in the women Catholic traditions. And that's why he decided, he said, guys, let's switch to become Baptists. So that's how we just went to the Baptist church, just to avoid the cost of First Communion, First Confirmation, you know, associated uh, to being, you know, in the Roman Catholic Church. However, when my dad said, you know, let's go to that Baptist church over there, he would just send us there, but he would not go himself. So that's when I started questioning the validity of what was happening in the church. If it was so good, my dad would be there with me. So therefore, I would go to that church just to please him, just to obey my father. Uh, but at some point, I was getting nothing there. And in fact, you know, it was uh, at some point annoying, uh, but I would go. And at some point in time, you know, uh, you know, I-, I started to like church. So I was a church guy, you know, I just liking church. Uh, during weekdays, I was whoever I wanted. I was doing whatever I wanted. But on Sunday, I was a saint. So that's how I re- that's how I was raised. Uh, up to the point where I remember, you know, the Saturday after I came back from, uh, from a certain party and I was looking at my closet to see what clothes that I would be wearing the next day. Because, you know, when you go to church in Haiti, you have to you have to dress up and everything. And that's when I heard God's voice calling me and said, Leslie, who is it that you are going to fool tomorrow? Are you going to fool the pastor? Do you think you can fool me? I know who you are. And by the time I heard God calling my name, I was already on my knees. I was crying. And when I wake up the next day, I was a brand new guy. So I had a purpose now. And that's, uh, that's how I became a Christian in 1993.
0: That's amazing. So you actually heard God's voice.
1: I heard him intelligibly as I'm talking to you now.
0: That's wonderful.
1: My name called out and he said, who is it that you're going to fool tomorrow? Is it your pastor? He doesn't even know you because it was quite a large church. Are you fooling me? You think you can fool me? I could not. So I was on my knees, you know, uh, asking God for forgiveness and to change my heart. And that's what he did. And then since I became a Christian, I became quite active at the local church, served as a Sunday school teacher, and later on as a Sunday school superintendent, and then as an evangelist. And now I'm serving the church as an apologist.
0: So for people who don't know, give us just a sense of geographically, where is Haiti?
1: Uh, Haiti is located in the greater Antilles, you know, what we call the Caribbeans. You know, it's actually, we're sharing the island with the Dominican Republic, and uh, we're quite close to Cuba and close to Trinidad and Jamaica. Uh, These are countries that uh, that most of you would know. And uh, and because there was a time as well that, uh, you know, most people around the world heard about Haiti because uh, we used to have the name of the Pearl of the Caribbean, Uh, Because in the 40s, 50s, 60s, even early 70s, uh, Haiti was exporting all over the place. And uh, we were receiving more tourists than all the countries in the Caribbean put together. So, but due to uh, uh, poor governance, you know, bad management, so we, everything went under and we just couldn't, couldn't, you know, get back up again. Uh, But uh, the name of Haiti used to be quite significant, you know, for what's happening in the Caribbean region.
0: Wow, so there used to be a lot of tourists that would go there. Yes. So I was reading uh, some World Bank statistics, and Haiti is actually the poorest country in Latin America and the Caribbean. And according to their statistics, in 2019, there was a per capita net income of about $1,200. And if you compare that to the U.S., it's about $55,000. So we know what poverty looks like in the U.S., but give us a sense of what poverty looks like in Haiti.
1: You know, poverty in Haiti, it's... uh it's a lack of things that people don't have in terms of basic necessities uh, you know it's not having access to electricity on a 20, on a 24/7 basis uh not having access to infrastructure not having access to healthcare and not having access to good quality education not having access to a number of things and uh and the most pressing need the most i mean the the the, cha- the, the challenge that we face uh um which is actually the most crucial challenge is uh, it's about job. Uh, when you look at the unemployment rate here, here in Haiti, it's, uh, it's astonishing. So we're talking about 65% of the population not having a formal job. Wow. Uh, however, uh, they don't have you know, an employment contract, but they do find a way to make a living selling things down, down the street, selling oranges, you know, other stuff that they, street, that, that they sell uh, you know, in the streets, trying to get busy. So that's why sometimes people see a vibrant entrepreneurship spirit at work here in Haiti because that's how people can make a living. Uh, if you're looking at uh, the remittances in terms of money being transferred from Haitian from the US, uh, living in the US to Haiti, uh, we're talking about $3.5 billion a year. So this is a lot of money. And that's, that's another way our people are being supported for those that cannot work, uh, those that cannot you know, sell things in the, uh, down the streets. And uh, they, they have that kind of support that they're receiving because in our culture it's it's uh, it's quite a collective culture where one person is looking after the other. So that's that that that's how that's how we make things work. And that's one of the reason um, um, you know the saving ministry in Haiti can work because there was already an established mindset, especially in the countryside, that we need to work together. We need to do things together because that's how we can basically survive.
0: It's interesting you talk about a lack of electricity, a lack of infrastructure. I assume that there's a lack of simple things like indoor plumbing and so forth in Haiti. And that's just not something that we see as much in the U.S. I mean, there may be some people that don't have those things, but it's very, very uncommon that even yeah. someone in poverty doesn't have that. But it sounds like that's much more common in a place like Haiti.
1: Yeah. So this is a thing where uh, um, this, uh, I mean, when you look at in the U.S., you know, uh, it's, it's, it's easy to take many things for granted. Uh, but it looks like for, for a country like Haiti, everything is like a luxury. Uh, owning a vehicle is a luxury. Owning a house uh, is a luxury. So everything is so uh, uh, so precarious that, uh, that really express the whole idea about what poverty is all about. And of course, uh, as I shared with you earlier, that poverty has a lot to do with broken relationships. And, and this is the root cause of poverty. And this is what we are addressing as Hope International.
0: So you're a really highly educated man. You have a PhD. You could have done anything. You could have gone anywhere. What made you decide to do ministry work in a nonprofit, uh, at a, basically in a poor country?
1: You know, uh, early on, I I think I was influenced by the idea that I'm a missionary. And, uh, even when I'm living in Haiti, even when I was born and raised in Haiti, yes, I was educated in Belgium, educated in the U.S. In other countries, um, but I consider myself as a missionary So, because I, I understand that there's a purpose for me being here. I'm not here by mistake. I'm not sure there's a mistake for me to have been born in Haiti. If God wanted me to be born in Haiti, if God wanted me to live in Haiti, it definitely must have a purpose in mind. And my job is find that purpose and live that purpose meaningfully and see how I can serve, how I can reflect Jesus Christ. And this is where I've seen you know, God at work in my life in different things that He has allowed me to do, especially in the context of Open International, seeing what's happening in terms of lives that are being transformed, you know, people having a different mindset. You know, people now, people used to wait for handouts. Now now they believe they can do things, you know, they can put their resources together, you know, and, and this is so beautiful. And therefore, it really uh, this is evidence for me that this is where God is at work, and and and, and you know the idea the idea of joining God where He's already at work, this is actually what uh, uh, what I understand in terms of my presence here in this land. It's uh, uh, having the privilege to partner with God, and knowing that uh, you know where He calls, uh, He will provide, and uh, God has been providing for me. Uh, just to make sure that I can effectively uh, leave my calling. And I, I feel blessed for that.
0: Well, that's incredible. And we appreciate your service. And it's amazing what you're doing down there. And you talked about seeing changed lives. Talk a little bit about the ministry and just some of the areas where you've seen changed lives and how amazing that is just to experience that.
1: You know, when you look at Haitian churches, you know, the focus so far has been on spiritual development on cultural development, but there was no economic engine. So if you used to go to, the, to a church after church service, you would see people line up, waiting for the pastor to pay their medical bill, to pay tuition for their kids, to help them. And it looks to me that people go to church just because of the service that the church could provide. It's not because they're somewhat interested in the gospel. Now these things are no longer happening. If you go to the churches where this ministry is present, now these people are supporting the pastor they're supporting the churches they're investing so instead of receiving now they're becoming givers and for me this is a huge transformation when you have people that had the mindset of waiting for people to come and help them now they are the one helping other people and for me this is just amazing
0: that is amazing to
1: see how people are yeah they're putting the resources together Pretty much the same thing, you know, that you're looking in Acts chapter chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. You know, I remember when I first, uh, you know, thought about Hope's methodology at different churches, I started asking pastors the question, do you believe that Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, do you think it is still applicable today? Do you think that this is something we can experience? And most of them would say, would tell me no. There's no guarantee that people are going to put their money together. There's no way that they're going to do these things. And there's no way you're not going to find any poor at the church, especially when Christ said, you know, the poor, you will always have with you. Because that was their understanding. But now they're seeing a different reality. They are experiencing Acts chapter 2 at the church level. And they're looking at the the transformation that's happening at the church. This is just amazing, you know, where people are now... Not only supporting the church, now they have enough resources to support their community and And this is also the beauty of the um being reconciled with one another, because there's there's you know one individual is limited to what you can do. But when you have twenty four thousand people, because that's about how many people that we have in this ministry at Hope International here in Haiti, when you have twenty four thousand people putting their resources together, these people can do wonder, and this is what they're just learning. They're learning that when they are united as a church, as the body of Christ, they can really show transformation, not at, at, not only at individual level, but also at the collective level. And, and this is, uh, you know, I, I'm just praising God to see, you know, what he's doing the way that he has been, you know, enabling these people, you know, to take responsibility for themselves. And regardless of if there's a government coming to help, Because as a matter of fact, there is, you know, for some of the places that we're working, there's no public services. There's nothing. So it's really up to the people to organize themselves, to change, to turn around their situation. And that's what they've been doing.
0: So you talked about Acts chapter 2. Just for those who weren't familiar with that passage, this is where the apostles or the Christians, the early Christians, are coming and laying their possessions at the apostles' feet and then they're distributing them as everyone has
1: need exactly this is the spirit of the savings ministry where the saving ministry is a ministry where a group of people between 10 to 25 people uh, they meet on a regular basis like once a week and when they meet they practice what we what we call the five w's the first w is worship they worship together i mean they they welcome one another first you know how you're doing How how kind of socializing the second w is worship they worship the lord together third w is word They study the word and the fourth one is work. Now, during the work part, this is where they get to put their money together uh, in a saving ministry. They have like two boxes: a box where they have their saving, a box where they have emergency fund. And the emergency fund is is for is for the purpose of if there's a member of the group that is facing a situation, so that the group can support that person. And 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 the, the last W is wrap up. You know, when they complete the meeting. You know they have they visit you know uh, one another. It's a ministry of visit visitation as well, and, uh, and 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 so that's that that's what the ministry does pretty much at its model after Acts chapter two, uh, where people are not considering their resources as belonging to themselves only, uh, where they can put it together for the betterment of the community of the church of the group that they belong to.
0: So what's interesting is. Haiti's a very poor country, and so you're saying to people who have very little and maybe had very little in the past, hey, will you share this with this larger group? So for somebody who finally uh, maybe has a job or maybe has income coming in or maybe has some assets, how hard is it to convince them to, hey, take that in faith and share it with this group?
1: You know, it, it, it's, not, it's not that automatic. You know the group starts meet uh, for a certain period of time it can be up to four months and then that's when trust has been built you know when they really become a family when they become a community that's when they can put their assets together that's when they can put their resources together and they understand that it's really for their own benefit too because now with the within the group structure they can get a loan and, and there's no capital injection hope is not injecting any money into their midst so it's really their own resources that they understand that if they if they find a way to to group them if they find a way to have collective savings and use some of the savings for loan uh, for individual members and also as I was sharing having the emergency fund because they understand that maybe today this is my this is I'm in a situation where I need help maybe tomorrow it's someone else uh, that need help. And then that's how, that's how they understand that the necessity of supporting one another, to look after one another. And that's why they say that there is no poor in their midst. If you go to those people and you tell them, you're poor, they will be so much offended because they don't consider themselves as poor anymore because poor for them is a mindset issue. And they not not have that mindset of poverty. They consider themselves as people who are privileged privilege to be part of a ministry where they can see that they are being transformed spiritually, economically, socially, personally.
0: And what's amazing about this is that they're doing it voluntarily. This is not the government coming in and forcing them to do it. This is people choosing to do this. And I would imagine because they choose to do it, it's much more effective than if it was forced upon them.
1: Exactly. So uh, it's a a volunteer-based ministry. That's a challenge that we wanted to address uh, because we don't have that uh, you know, that culture of volunteering, you know, uh, but at the very beginning, you know, we, we we explained to the church, this is your ministry. This is not about Hope International. This is about yourself, uh, you as a pastor, you as a, as a church leader, and you need to take on that responsibility. And, and that's what they have been doing. So now it's, uh, uh, Hope is one of the organizations here in Haiti that is, you know, uh, that that's implementing a ministry that is completely volunteer-based, considering the number of church facilitators that we have, you know, uh, 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 coordinator, regional coordinators supporting the ministry. So this is, uh, this is awesome.
0: And is this something that's taking hold throughout the country? Are people seeing the success that you're having and, and trying to replicate it elsewhere?
1: Yes. Uh, actually, one of the limitations of the ministry is that we don't have the capacity to support all the church denominations because now we have a long list of denominations asking us, you know, can I have this in my church? Can I have that? You know, can I... Okay, can 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 you come in and help us out actually we work with the largest denominations here in haiti i mean one of the denominations may may have like 600 churches or 800 churches so by the time we we saturate to work with one partner it actually takes takes some time so that's why we cannot take on so many partners you know given our you know uh, our limited capacity as a small organization here for here in haiti uh, but definitely we find a way to support uh, some some of these uh, denominations by, you know, having them sending someone, you know, in our training so that they can be equipped and go in, and replicate the ministry at their level. Yeah, definitely the word is out that there is something that works here in Haiti. You know, I, I used to hear people saying that uh, there is an encyclopedia of things in Haiti that are not working. Now I'm glad by the grace of God to say we do have a brochure. It's the saving ministry, the brochure of something that works.
0: Terrific. That's amazing. Well, I want to ask about your book. So you've written three books, and, and what are the names of your books?
1: The first book that I published was a hand guide for business creation. It was published in 2003, and uh, later on in 2005, there were, 2008, uh, there was another book that came out that was a hand guide you know, for church management, just to help the church to be more structured when it comes to managing human resource, material resource, and, and financial resources. And uh, and also there was uh, my PhD that was uh, my, my dissertation on mentoring, and I have published uh, I have published an excerpt. It's called "Mentoring: An Effective Strategy for Small Business Development," and uh, which is also available on Amazon. And the last book that I published a few weeks ago uh, it's uh, it's an apologetics book. It's called "Objections Overruled."
0: All right, and these it's are
1: available on Amazon,
0: and and they're all in um, in French. Is that correct?
1: Uh, only one is in English because my my doctoral dissertation was in English. So the excerpt that was published was, was, was in English. Okay. But for the, for the books, it's actually, they're actually in French.
0: Okay. And they can be
1: found on Amazon. Yes.
0: And so if people are listening to this and they want to support your work and Hope International, how can they do that?
1: First thing that they can do for us is praying for us because we are evolving all these things that I'm just sharing with you. Uh, it, they are happening in a very hostile context where uh, traveling uh, to the countryside to visit, to visit groups and supporting them, it's actually, it's very risky. And sometimes when you travel, <clears throat> there's no guarantee that you're coming back. So just to, just to give you some idea about the violence that is prevalent here in uh, demonstrations and in, uh, in political instability, it, it's, it's a risky environment. So I'm counting on prayers, you know, that that's that's the number one need that we have here uh, for now. And of course, uh, supporting Oak financially, uh, this is something that will allow us to have, you know, more churches joining the ministry, more denominations and more people to actually be impacted by the ministry. So it would be both prayers and financial support.
0: And where would they go to support you financially? Is there a website they'd go to?
1: They would go to hopeinternational.org, and there we, they will have all the information that is necessary in order to see how how best they can support hope.
0: Terrific. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for your work in Haiti and just your leadership and your courage to go and, and do this work. And, and wow, it's it's really just encouraging to hear uh, the changes that you're seeing in people's lives. And so, thank you for thank spending you so time much. with us today. Really appreciate thank you. it. Today. The pleasure
1: is mine. We had an opportunity to join the podcast.
0: All right. Thank you so much. The Biblical Courage podcast is supported by listeners. You can support us by going to biblicalcourage.com forward slash support. While you're there, you can also sign up to receive our newsletter with information about the podcast. That's biblicalcourage.com. Finally, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like the podcast, keep that to yourself. I'm your host, Paul Horrocks. Thanks for listening to the Biblical Courage Podcast.